Welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. This is Diane, your lactation consultant. And I'm Abby, the Badass Breastfeeder. And today's episode is brought to you by Sarah's Chill. Never worry about safely storing your breast milk or formula again with their double-walled stainless steel container. And uh, we will hear more from our sponsors later, but the sponsors make this podcast possible. So if you need anything, please head to our sponsor page at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com and check them out. See if you can give them any of your business. And while you're there, scroll down and enter your email address and we'll send episodes straight to your inbox every week. And don't leave without checking our shop page and see the awesome merch that we designed ourselves. Um, And I have an announcement. (laughs) A big announcement. Abby's full of them today. (laughs) We will be hosting an ongoing giveaway for people who leave reviews on iTunes or any other podcast apps where you're able to leave reviews. Um, Everyone who who leaves a review and sends us a screenshot of that review We will send you Badass Breastfeeding Podcast stickers and a pack of Thank You for Nursing in Public empowerment cards. So that's awesome, I think. I think. And so you can, yeah, email us your screenshot and your shipping address to badassbreastfeedingpodcast at gmail.com. And you'll get the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast stickers and the Thank You for Nursing in Public empowerment cards that you can spread around your world. And so we understand that not everyone... Um, is able to leave a review on whatever app that you are listening. So we're also going to be having giveaways over at the Badass Breastfeeder Instagram. So you can follow over there or check over there for the giveaways. And there will be one up right now. So if you go today, you will find a giveaway that you can enter. Um, but leave those reviews and send the screenshots and your address and we'll send out those um, goodie bags to you. Did you say to leave them on iTunes? Did I miss that part? iTunes or any podcast app. Oh, okay. Like if you can leave it on, I don't know all the ones that allow you to leave reviews. I know iTunes does, obviously, and that's the one that Mm -hmm. we get most listeners from. So that's where that would be very helpful if you left it there. But I know some of the other podcast apps are allowing you to leave reviews now. Yeah. So if you're listening from... I don't know. Spotify, does that allow you to leave? I don't even know. I would think. I don't know. If like, you, I have no idea. Whatever but... podcast app you were listening to, you would know. So, you know, poke around there and see if you can. If you cannot, we understand. Go over to the Badass Best Free Instagram and enter that giveaway. Hopefully you're all following us on Instagram. Mine is Diane O'Cassidy. It sounds kind of Irish, but it's really not. <laughs> so Diane O'Cassidy um, on Instagram and Abby is, of course, a badass breastfeeder. So hopefully you're um, following us on Instagram because you'll see all this fun stuff coming up and cool pictures and all of that stuff, too. So, so yeah, that's our big note. Hopefully it was exciting for everybody else. Yes. We thought it was a really good idea. <laughs> yeah. But I do love the stickers. Because the, the, the stickers reviews, like, it's not just for nothing. It's not just like, oh, we like to read, you know, people saying shit about us. It's like, no, like that actually <laughs> helps the podcast come up higher in searches and stuff when you when there's more reviews for it so that just like yeah. helps the podcast get more visibility which is what we all want right absolutely well um, i do for sure yeah me too i have okay. a review right Diane now Diane has our review of the week yes i think and it does come from itunes and says, I absolutely love this podcast i just had my third baby three months ago but 
first time breastfeeding and I was determined to make it work this time around. I started listening to this podcast when I was five months pregnant every day on my way to work. I credit this podcast so much for my success with exclusive breastfeeding and feel more confident with all the knowledge I gained while listening to this podcast. 10 out of 10 would recommend. And thank you for giving us a 10 out of 10 because that's fantastic. Um, But like huge, huge, huge kudos to you for like really digging your heels and you're like, this is my third baby. I want to make this work because I got to be honest. If I like wasn't, was really frustrated with it and wasn't, you know, successful the first time or two around, I don't know that I would try again. And I am always so, 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 so impressed and just inspired by parents who are like, I really struggled the first time, but I want to do it. This, you know, I really want to make it work the second time because it it can really feel like, oh, I just, I had a really bad experience the first time. I don't want to go through that again. And just like not even, you know, trying to like wade in those waters. So thank you so much for sticking to it. And I'm so glad you found us. Yeah. A lot of times those experiences are really traumatic and we just want to oh my avoid God. that. You know, we're yeah. like, I don't want to deal with that again. I want to feel that again. I don't want to experience feel those. failure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like I just, and it's oh like, I'll just avoid it. Yeah. So I'm so glad that you're, um, that you're like, no, we're, do- we're doing it. We're doing it. And you're amazing because I think that's a really hard thing to do. So parents are just amazing. I just find that every single I, it's day. It's true. Like, oh my gosh. It's seriously true. Parents are really amazing. Yeah. I'm always seeing um just the things that people are doing. Oh my God. Unbelievable. Like, wait, God, like I could never do half the shit that people I meet, these new the families that I meet do. I'm just like, wow. Just amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I'm not even gonna go into like leave us a review because we just did all that. <laughs> we just went through that. <laughs> just went through it. So we're gonna jump right in. We are gonna talk about um Late-term babies. And I don't know if we ever talked about that before. I th- Are we um, doing pre-term and late-term? Well, we could do or a little not. of both. Yeah, we'll just okay. kind of mix them in because right. um, some of the same, you know, not all the same stuff, but, you know, when it comes to feeding, um, pre-term and late pre-term are difficult. And that's, I mean, obviously that's what we're going to talk about. But, um, well, I don't know if we ever talked about this. And it is a, it's a big, not a big deal, but it's common right? Like common, very common all the time that you see people having babies that are preterm or late preterm. So what is the late preterm? I'm sorry. What's preterm and late preterm? So yes. So late, so preterm is, <clears throat> I will give you the ages. I pulled it up so that I would not screw it up. But preterm is um, infants that are born like 34 to 36 weeks, 36 and six, seven weeks. That's like preterm or anything like, um, no, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Late preterm, 34 to 36. Um, and also like you're looking at kind of like, a, and, and full term is considered like 37 and on. Late mm-hmm. preterm is like 34 to 36. Preterm is like anything um, 34 weeks and, and younger. Okay. Um, People often, you know, will will say like, if I say to them, is your baby full term? Like if they come to me when they're, you know, struggling or, you know, baby's not feeding well or not gaining weight or something like that, I'll ask them, you know, was your baby full term? And I have learned that people often say, yes, yes, my baby was absolutely full term. I'll say, okay, 
Um, and then I find out that they were like 37 weeks or 38 weeks, which is considered full term, technically full term. But we know that the closer a baby is to 40 weeks, the better they do. Because right. I mean, even just a week makes a huge difference when it comes to like, you know, coordination and suck strength and things like that. So yes, your 37 weeker is technically a full-term baby, but they're terrible feeders. But they might, they just, yeah, they're going to struggle in a different they're way. They're going to struggle more. And the same with like your pre, so then you got your preterm and they're like, you know, 34 to 36 weeks and they're like, oh, you know, preterm or whatever, a little early, 36 weeks, 35, 36 weeks. But we're also kind of running into the same kind of situation because often those babies are like they're, you know, a couple weeks early, um, 34, 35, 36 weeks, but they might be full term size. They might be six pound babies, you know, like I've absolutely yeah. seen that. Um, they might be doing just fine. They stay with their parents. They go home. They don't stay in the hospital. Thank goodness. Right. We don't want babies to stay in the hospital. But they they are not going to feed as well. But we kind of like slap this label on them as like, oh, your baby's doing great because they are right. Like they they technically are. But they, there are definitely things that we need to watch for that are risk factors with babies that are that young that we don't really think about. Like we're like, oh, the baby's fine. They're healthy. You know, they're born. They're a good weight. Everybody kind of thinks like, oh, I don't know why our, our, our society is so like obsessed with weight of babies. And weight and is like, everything. Well, and not just babies. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, but the bigger they everyone. are as babies, everybody's like, oh, they're super healthy. You got an eight pound yeah, baby. Right. Woo! Healthy right. as can be, man. Right. You got really? a fat baby. There's no problem. Don't complain. Your baby is like really healthy. Everything's fine. And then if, you're, if you have a fat adult, oh, my God, you're going to die. <laughs> you're the unhealthiest person ever. I try to tell yeah, people. It's so weird. It really is weird. And I try to tell people like when we're obsessed about um, the stupid percentages, right? Like the. Yeah, like the girl whole chart, like, yeah. yes, the girl charts and the, you know, my baby is this percentile and all this stuff. And it's like you could have a baby in the 90th percentile does not mean they're healthy. It doesn't. No. It does not mean they're healthy. And we slap these labels on them. And it's not fair because, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, my baby's super like they were full term size. OK, that doesn't mean they know how to suck. It doesn't mean they're coordinated. Doesn't mean that they can hold their body temperature. It doesn't mean that they can hold their blood sugars. Like it, there are still problems with babies that are born early. It doesn't matter what their size is. I mean, obviously, if they're a little bit bigger, it's a little bit easier. You know, like they can do those things a little bit better. You can hold your body temperature a little bit better than a baby that's four pounds if they're six pounds. But still, point being is that sometimes these babies are full term size but they are not full-term age. Um, and then the other thing that kind of happens with these babies too is we know that um, due dates are just an estimate, right? Like they're just yeah, an right. estimate. Totally. And unless you are doing like IVF where you, they can like really be able to determine exactly what time you got pregnant, you don't know. Really, right? Like, I mean, you can have an idea or whatever, but those, those, it's just a guesstimate. There is nothing scientifically stable about a due date. 
for a, a parent that just, you know, kind of like showed up pregnant. Um, especially if your periods were un, you know, like they weren't, um, I'm really struggling with my words today, people. If your periods were unstable, they were, yeah, very irregular. Um, what if, what if you're somebody like, I've asked people too, like, well, were your periods regular? And they'd be like, I don't know. I came off birth control and got pregnant right away. I have no idea what my periods were like. Like, how do we really know what your due date is, right? Like they're going to give you a due date, but that could be off. And then you have a baby that's born at 38 weeks. How do we know they're not really 36? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. How do we you know, know what 40 weeks is? And they and they follow that like it's God's word. Oh, they like do. this is your exact day. You're, this is 40 days exactly. And like, you know, like I was induced at 41 weeks. They even did. They even put me through all these stress tests to make sure that the baby was like not, you know, there was still enough amniotic fluid and all that stuff because they'll induce mm-hmm. you if if that stuff starts to go you know awry when you're past your due date but they put me through all these stress tests all came back fine and i was induced anyway yeah they're like oh well it's 41 weeks we really should induce you but how do we do we was it 41 weeks right i don't know yeah. the moment that i the you know and even if we did know the exact time of conception it doesn't Babies just take different times to cook. Yeah. Like if you really, like think about your think about bread. <laughs> <laughs> you're like making bread, right? And you're at home and you're like, this is how I make it. And then you go to someone else's house and use their oven and you make bread in that oven and it comes out different. Right. I mean, like things like crazy ass things affect, you know, the length of time it takes for babies to cook. And it really like I was mine first one was the same way. I was like, they said I was a week overdue. And then when I had him, they were like, oh, he kind of ha- still has a lot of stuff on him. So a lot of Vernix still on him. So maybe he wasn't early or maybe he wasn't late. Maybe he wasn't 41 weeks after all. Okay. And they also thought he was going to be 10 pounds, which he wasn't. But people listen to that like it's gospel too. Oh, well, the ultrasound said my baby was going to be oh, this. Yeah. yeah. You know, my, my ultrasound said my baby was going to be 10 pounds. And they come out like seven pounds. So those things are definitely not, you know, they're, they're not, um, it's not good information to go by all the time. So I would say that if you have your, you know, we have your baby that is 36 weeks, um, 35 weeks, 36 weeks, something like that. There's definitely things that we need to be watching for. We need to watch for you know, how they are feeding. Those babies are going to be sleepier. You know, babies are, um, their babies are sleepy anyway. But when they are a little early, you're going to get a baby that's even more sleepy. So it's going to be a little bit more effort to kind of get that baby awake, get that baby stimulated, make sure that they're feeding, um, making sure that their suck reflex is where it is as strong as it needs to be, because it's going to take them a little bit more energy to be feeding during this time. We also know that they might have more trouble with things like jaundice, um, with things like, you know, body temperature, like I was saying, body temperature and blood sugars, those things might not be as stable. So they might be monitoring that a little bit more closely, which is going to absolutely impact your feeds too. And we should maybe do our our ad break and then we can do, I'm going to talk about like what can happen with... um, like the blood sugars and stuff like that and how that's going to impact feedings too. 
So we can do our, let's do our um, ads and then come back to that. Okay, great. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Sarah's Chill. Never worry about safely storing your breast milk or formula again. If you've ever had to pump at work late at night or while you're away from your baby, you know how hard it is to juggle all the plastic and clunky coolers. Sarah's Chill's grab-and-go container makes everything so much easier. With just a handful of ice and a splash of water, you'll have safe storage for over 20 hours in this sleek two-chamber bottle. And did we mention it's designed for double pumping and travel-friendly? No prep, no cords, no batteries, no headache. It's just that simple. Head over to sarahschill.com and use code badass breast, no, badass15, badass15. That's sarahschill, C-E-R-E-S, chill.com. And you can use badass15 and that'll get you 15% off of your purchase. And you can also use your HSA and FSA funds to buy this freaking awesome cool cooler. And today's episodes and the promo, the today's sponsors and the promo codes can be found in the show notes under this episode at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com or wherever you are listening from. At badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com, you'll also find all of our other episodes and information about scheduling your very own one on one online lactation consultation with Diane. And don't forget to leave a review and send the screenshot, and we will. Um, send you some prizes. Yes. Who doesn't love a prize? I know. I love prizes and free I stuff. Love. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. Who doesn't love free some free stuff. stuff? Free stuff all the way. Yes. It's free so stuff from I your found... favorite podcast. Come on. I know. Jeez. You can like spread the love. <laughs> I know. I found this um, this interesting article. I will. Um, I will link it in. It is about. Um, late preterm infants um, and, you know, some information and how, like how many there are, like, there's a lot, like a lot of babies are born late preterm. It says actually nearly 75% of babies born less than 37 week gestation, late preterm infants are at an increased risk for having more problems. So we do know that, um, and they are often overlooked because of their size. I feel so validated when I say things and then I read it in a research study. So right, I know it, it really is kind of cool. Um, so lots of preterm babies are out there. This is not an uncommon thing. Um, and this actually, this thing that I'm going to read now gives us an idea of why this happens. Cause sometimes you're like, Oh, well, you know, why was your baby born early? And a lot of times people don't know. They're like, well, I don't know, just, you know, that just happened. But there are reasons why, like, we do know that some babies are born preterm. And they're also saying, too, that um, one of the other articles I read about it was that there is a lot of people that are kind of depending on um, IVF and things like that now, which is giving us more um, multiple pregnancies. We know that your risks are higher when you go through, like, IVF and um you know, other ways to kind of help get pregnant, we know the risk of having like twins and stuff is higher. And those babies are born a little earlier, usually. Not a lot of people will carry twins to 40 weeks. I don't think I've ever seen that happen, actually. Mm -hmm. So um, sometimes it's just a spontaneous thing. Sometimes your water just breaks at 36 weeks and like, that's it, right? Um, if you've had a previous 
early delivery, you're, you know, the likelihood of you having another early one is, is pretty high too. Uh, hypertension, which is a really big thing now, like, and I want to say like big thing, like it's the thing to do. It is just like, I see a lot of hypertension and, you know, high blood pressure in pregnancy. So that is something that is more and more common. And I remember like one, I asked uh, one of the doctors I work with one time, like, why is this? I feel like this is like a, you know, just something we're seeing so much more of now. I don't remember seeing so many families that had problems with blood pressure during pregnancy. And he was like, it's just lifestyle is just so poor now. Like every, you know, nobody's has a good lifestyle and people are overweight and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I had a client who was like a gym teacher and in like spectacular shape and, you know, really took care of herself and she had high blood pressure. So during pregnancy. So it's like, okay, obviously that's not the issue. Like we can't just say, oh, you don't lead a healthy lifestyle. Therefore you're, you know, at risk for having high blood pressure. I think it's pretty much everybody that is at risk factor for that. Um, Preeclampsia, which we know is also attached to that high blood pressure thing. Um, Gestational diabetes. If you have gestational diabetes, a lot of times they will have you, you know, they'll induce you early. They don't want you to go to term with gestational diabetes. Um, Coleostasis, which is, you know, problems with your liver during pregnancy that a lot of times will be um, induced early as well. Poor uterine conditions like placenta previa or Mm. um, like, you know, uterine rupture or something like that. That can be like an indication that you're going to end up having an earlier baby. Ogliohydromonas, and that is, um, you know, like how when Abby was saying, like, they were testing to make, you know, looking to make sure that I had enough fluid. Mm -hmm. So some people have too much fluid. Some people have not enough fluid. Like fluid levels will impact sometimes what's going on with your delivery. Um, Multiple gestations, if you have twins, um, growth restrictions, if your baby is not growing well, if they're assuming something's wrong with the placenta, sometimes they'll take the baby out earlier so that, you know, the baby can grow effectively um, outside the uterus, which you sometimes it's like, well, we know babies grow really well in the uterus, but if something's going on with your placenta or there's an infection or something like that, then maybe bringing the baby out sooner is going to be the better way to go. Yeah. Um, there is just, you know, there's a lot of like medical type stuff that can lead to having a baby a little bit early. And then there's just babies that are born early. Like it just sometimes just happens. But the things, like I was saying, there are some specific problems that happen with these little babies. And a lot of times they do go home with you. You know, they're fine. They just watch them a little bit more closely. Um, but feeding issues tend to fall through the cracks because people figure they're technically like close to a full term, um, especially like I said, if they're like a 37 week or baby, then they're considered full term. But if they're like 36 weeks and they're like, you know, six, seven pounds, people are like, oh, they're, you know, like they're fine. But they might have problems with respiratory, with breathing, with coordination. Um, and though we know that those things impact feeding, right? If they cannot coordinate their suck, swallow and breathe well, we know that they're going to have trouble with feeding. Um, that is going to be harder for them to do. And they're going to tire easily. So sometimes those babies that are 35, 36 weeks, sometimes we do need to do some supplementing with them because they're not able to transfer milk efficiently. 
and they're not getting what they need just from breastfeeding because they're just not strong enough yet. You know, so we might need to do some supplementing with those babies or we might need to do a little bit of pumping because the baby isn't stimulating your milk supply well. So this is stuff that you definitely want to work with a lactation consultant about because we want to be sure that we're that we've got a good balance, right? We want to make sure mm-hmm. we're not over over supplementing. We're not over pumping. We're doing just what we need to do to make things stay where, you know, where it's healthy and where the baby's getting what they need. Sometimes nipple shields are good for those babies because they aren't coordinating well. And nipple shields can help them to just work a little less hard. And so sometimes that will be a suggestion to just use one for a very short period of time. Um hyperbilirubinemia, which is a fancy word for jaundice. And (laughs) that is like really a long fancy word for jaundice. But that can be more prevalent in babies that are a little bit early because things are just not working yet. You know, like their -hmm. little systems are just not ready yet. So we might see more jaundice with those babies, which we know when babies are jaundice. And I think we do have an episode on, I know we have an episode on jaundice because I freaking hate jaundice. But it it will separate parents, right? It'll separate the birth parent from their baby if the baby needs to go under lights for jaundice treatment, um, which makes obviously feeding very, very difficult. A lot of times if your baby does go into, you know, light therapy to treat that jaundice, if their levels are high enough that you have to do that, then they don't, uh, like I said, they're not feeding well. They're super sleepy when it comes to jaundice, you know, but you have, they have to feed to get rid of the jaundice. So it becomes, yeah, it becomes this cycle. And a lot of times like the, the special care nurseries that are monitoring these babies while they're under lights and stuff are like, no, we need to feed the baby. We need to feed the baby. And they just like stuff them full of formula because they want the babies to pass this, their, you know, get this jaundice passed through their system. So that becomes very frustrating for parents because Mm -hmm. parents are like, I'm pumping, I'm trying to do all the things and they just, you know, are feeding this overfeeding babies to get the jaundice out of their system. And sometimes it's just like, you just got to get out of there. Like once you're out, then we can deal with it. But sometimes when they're under those lights for, you know, 24 hours or whatever it might be, there's just, you know, feed them as much as you can, feed them as best as you can. But, you know, you get 30 minutes, like the hospital that I worked at, they would put the babies under lights. They would take them out every three hours for 30 minutes for a feeding. Ugh. And babies that aren't jaundiced don't feed and newborn don't feed well in 30 minute time frame. You know, like they're just sleepy. Yeah. So they're not doing well. So then you get a jaundiced baby. They're really not doing well with it. So it really doesn't leave you much time. You're obviously not feeding on demand. Those mothers end up pumping. Like it just becomes a mess. So really like once you're out from under that situation, then we can work with it a little bit better. But it's usually like once you're out of the hospital, things will go better. Oh my gosh. You just got to get out from under it. So when I had, when I had Exley at home, the midwife was like, she was like, if he starts to look a little yellow, stand in the window. Yeah. Yeah. That's still what they really like like to tell people. You know, it's fine. Just stand in the window, nurse him. If you have a sunny day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because it's just, yeah, and just like nurse them, nurse them, nurse them. Um, the, yeah, the, the whole, but they're, they are prone if they're a little bit earlier, they're going to be pr- more prone to having these problems. Um, the feeding difficulties. So I'm just going to like 
read this because this is kind of what we were talking about. Many functional immaturities lead to poor oral intake and growth delay in this group of infants. These include immature suck-swallow coordination, fewer awake alert periods, suboptimal oral motor skills, poor postural control at the breast, and immature gut mobility motility. The energy requirement of late preterms is also increased, which can place them at a high risk for poor growth. Feeding problems are quite common in late preterms as compared to infants that are term, and it is one of the leading causes for rehospitalization, secondary to poor growth and dehydration. So it really is, it says a meta-analysis of 22 studies concluded that risk of feeding problems is high among late preterms. Careful attention and vigilance to oral intake, weight gain, and milk supply is clearly needed in this population to prevent added problems or rehospitalizations. So it is, it is not like me just saying, oh yeah, call a lactation consultant because I am one. Like I am saying this because it, I've seen a zillion of these babies and it really, they just don't feed well. They just don't. But nobody tells parents that necessarily because a lot of times they are perfectly healthy babies that just go home and it's like, okay, you know, but they don't necessarily feed as well. Personally, I think these babies should be monitored a little bit closely at the pediatrician's office, which sometimes they are not. Mm -hmm. Um, When I worked in pediatrician's office, I'd be like, you know what? That baby's only 36 weeks. I think we should check them again in another couple of days. Um, Because sometimes it'd be like, okay, you know, baby's gaining, come back in a couple of weeks. It is like they should be monitored a little bit more closely, you know, just Mm -hmm. to be sure that everybody's doing okay with this. Because especially if it's a first baby, these babies are sleepy and you don't realize how sleepy they can be and how hard it is to wake them and that you're going to have to wake them for feedings. Because a lot of times people go into having babies with the thought process of my baby's going to let me know when they're hungry. And they Mm -hmm. don't do that at this age, especially when they're a preterm baby. So... Waking them more frequently for feedings. Sometimes you are going to have to, like I said, you might have to pump because babies aren't transferring well. Um, There's a lot of, you know, little extra stuff that we need to look at here. And then it seems like once they are like 39, 40 weeks, it's like somebody flipped a switch and they're just doing really well, you know? And usually that's what I tell parents. I'm always like, you know what? Once your baby is kind of to the place where they are like full term age, it's going to be a lot easier. They're going to be just doing a lot better. You know, it's not going to be forever that they're doing this. It really is just the beginning where they're, they're going to struggle a little bit more because they're a little early. You know, we know babies do better when they are, you know, overall, they do better when they're, you know, in a little bit longer when they are, when they can go to 40 weeks because their suck is a little bit more, um, you know, it's a little bit stronger, a little bit more coordinated. They might not have as prop, you know, so many problems with respiratory and blood sugars. Yeah. And let's talk about the blood sugar thing for a minute, the hypoglycemia. Mm. So late preterm infants are at an increased risk for developing hypoglycemia secondary to various mechanisms and risk factors, including low glycogen stores, immaturity of enzymes involved in glucose release, poor feeding and inadequate nutrient intake, cold stress, basically meaning that they're just not holding their body temperature well, which is going to cause problems with their blood sugars, infection and underlying respiratory problems. The physiologic postnatal decrease in blood glucose concentration is much greater in preterm infants compared to term infants. So these babies are going to be monitored closely for blood sugar issues. So what that is going to look like is that they might want to test your baby every couple of hours. 
And what that means is they're going to do a heel stick and prick your baby every two to three hours before a feeding to check what their blood sugar is. And that is very traumatic to everybody involved. Yeah. Um, and it does a lot of things. It it keeps you from being able to respond to your baby for feeds, just like feeding on demand. It keeps you from a- being able to do that because now oh, it's time for your baby to eat. Your baby's showing some feeding cues. Now you're, you know, you have to call the nurse to come in and test their blood sugar before you can feed them, which, I mean, do you put on a thing and the nurse can come right away? Like, that never happens, right? They're always somewhere else in another room checking, doing something with another baby and it yeah. takes them 15 minutes to get to you, you know? Like, so it's not like yeah. now you've got a baby that wants to eat or maybe now fell back to sleep. So now you got to get them going all over again, which the heel stick will do, but still. Um, and then they have to prick the baby's heel and test her blood sugar. And, you know, like it just becomes a huge problem um, and just very traumatic for parents. Like it just becomes very hard. So that is something too that is like, oh my gosh, you know, like it's just constant over and over again. And then if your baby's blood sugar is low, um, consistently low, especially, then they're going to want to supplement them because they need the baby's blood sugar to go up. So then, you know, that is one of the reasons why we see so much supplementing early, um, like in the hospital in the first two days of life is because of blood sugars. And that just, you know, they're starting to do different things now. They're starting to do like, um, Glucose gel is is something that they're doing now instead of formula. Um, people are starting to like bring their own colostrum in mm. um, mm-hmm. or hand express so that they can give that to the baby instead, um, hoping that that will like, you know, bring up their blood sugars. But um, that reminds if, me you know, that we should do an episode on the like expressing colostrum while you're pregnant. We really should, because that question is coming up more and more now. So we yeah. really should um, talk about that at some point soon. So you will see that that like, you know, hypoglycemia or the blood sugar thing could be an issue if you have a baby that's a a couple weeks early. I had a family one time in um, when I was at the peds office that this was a problem with their baby, like their baby had blood sugar issues and they were checking it constantly in the hospital. Um, And then when they were discharged, the parents came in to the peds office, you know, like the next day and they were like, should we be checking the baby's blood sugar at home? I've got a blood sugar thing. I can test the baby's blood sugar at home. We were like, no, don't do that. Like there's no need for it. But come on. Now you've got it like in the parent's head that the baby's blood sugar is not stable. So how are you supposed to go home? Like they're freaking out about it for the two days you're in the hospital. Then they're like, okay, go on home. Everything's fine now. How do you not stress about that? You know, it's like. There's no way to not. There's no way to not. Right. You're constantly going to be wondering, is my baby's blood sugar okay? You know, it's just, it's really just, it's so hard. It is so hard. Like it's, ugh. So, and then we have stuff like, you know, temperature instability. Um, You know, babies are not, you know, holding their body temperature well. We know too that skin to skin will solve a lot of these problems or at least help with them. Even if your baby is preterm, lots of skin to skin will help with body temperature, will help with blood sugars, will help with, you know, feeding. Um, Doing that skin to skin a lot in the hospital is really, really important because that will really help to keep them a little bit more stable. So as often as you possibly can, keep that baby skin to skin with you. 
sometimes the you know the staff is like oh but the baby's body temperature is low we can't do skin to skin you can't undress them but it's like they're just put a blanket over you put the baby against your skin and put a blanket on you it's not like you're gonna sit in an ice bath with your baby on your skin come on just put a blanket on so it is totally like your baby needs that time with you too they need that time with you um so basically the bottom line because i know that we're like chatting away about this stuff is (laughs) um like i'm totally just like but (laughs) The I know I'm sitting here listening. I'm like, this is such an interesting podcast. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm Andy I've as like a listener. barely said a word. I'm <laughs> kind of scared to have him say a word too because my microphone is like, we had some issues which have been edited out, so you don't know that. But like, I'm like, I better not talk too much. <laughs> I don't want it to screw up again. <laughs> my God, I know. Whenever we, whenever we podcast, and it's not our regular day. It is just oh. like the podcast gods like totally shine upon us here. This um, is yeah. but. It really like the the bottom line is that if your baby is born like 36 weeks or anything like that, um, 36, I 37 is still like a little bit questionable, but 35, 36 weeks, but they're full term size and everybody's like, oh, they're fine. They're doing really well. I would still absolutely watch out for feeds. I would really kind of monitor that. Um, talk with a lactation consultant, make sure your baby's feeding well, because they really can be tricky. You know, they can be sneaky at that age. And it, it really, people don't don't necessarily tell you like your baby's not going to feed well because sometimes they're doing really great and you don't think of the, that as going to be a problem. So, um, you know, overall, those babies end up doing just fine. They just, they need a little bit more monitoring than people expect them to. So just kind of like, you know, see a lactation consultant, Make sure we're protecting milk supply. Make sure we're getting, you know, as much into the baby as we need to. There's no dehydration happening. They're feeding well. And then once they hit that 40-week mark, usually they're just, they just kind of roll with it the way every other baby does. So that's about it. Babies are good at rolling with it. Yeah, they're good at kind of coming out of it. We're the ones um, who freak out about everything and they're just kind of like, yeah, all right. What are you going to do? What are you going to do about this, mom? Huh? I know, right? Now what are you going to do? It's pretty, it's pretty much how it goes. Then you got to, yeah, you got to learn how to roll with it. Exactly. <laughs> right. Which takes a lifetime to figure that's out not, how to do. Yeah, that's, that's not a thing. No. That's not a thing as a parent. Well, thank you oh, for listening. God. Thank you very much. We hope everybody has wonderful, wonderful feeding experiences for the rest of their lives. So that's it. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.